Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. What's up, Gator Nation? Welcome into the latest Gators Online podcast live from Spurs Gridiron Grill. Zach Albaverde, Nick Del Torre. We're both coming to you 0-2 to start the season. Got a better record than the Gators, Nick. Yeah, so... <laughs> The, uh, some of the people on our website were like, no, you and Zach need to continue picking against the Gators. Um, they think that we're the jinx, which, you know, hey, we have not proven them wrong yet. I mean, if that's the case, then we're going with the Bulls this Saturday, Nick. I think horns down. I'm not, yeah. I'm not going with the Bulls. Let you make your own pick, though. Well, we, we will speak respectfully of this matchup because uh, we don't want to catch a fade from Billy. Billy, Billy was Billy was <laughs> Billy was a barber yesterday. He was giving fades out left and right at the press conference. Uh, we'll get into how game week has uh, played out so far for for USF. We will talk about all the injury news and updates that we learned after Wednesday night's practice. We will preview the game. Uh, we won't have a guest today. We'll do a couple of different segments. Uh, but first, we got to rehash obviously what happened in the swamp last Saturday night. The Gators lose their SEC opener to, to Kentucky 26-16, to 16, a game in which uh, they led, and then it was a tie, and then it was a pick six, and then it was some failed fourth downs, and um, the Wildcats come into the swamp once again, second time in the last five years, and for the third time in the last five years, and beat the Gators, and it's uh, crazy that that's now becoming something that Florida fans are having to get used to. Uh, but Kentucky and Mark Stoops, shout out to them. They came in with a great defensive game plan mm-hmm. and, and made it enough plays on offense, although Florida's defense played really well, I thought, Saturday. Yeah, Florida, uh, Florida's defense played well enough to win, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, if you look at the game and, and you wouldn't look at the defense and say, well, that's, you know, anytime, anytime you give up more points, you can look at the defense and say, well, they should have given up less. But I think Florida's defense played well. If you look at like the snaps, Gervon Dexter wasn't playing 90 snaps yeah, again. Yeah, just 45. Um, so you, you were able to um, find some other pieces, and you're building some depth on defense. Um, you're going to lose a, a big piece there this week, but it wasn't the defense's fault. I think even the, 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 the player that fans like to yell at the most, Trey Dean, I thought Trey Dean had a good game as well. Um, one of the players of the week from the staff. Yeah, when, yeah it, it's funny how – the fans want to bench him, and, and the coaching staff says he's the player, player of the week. week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, funny how those things work out. But it's um, it, to me, it was just the offensive uh, game plan, and, and I don't know if 
um, that was the game plan that we saw, or if it's because of Anthony Richardson losing confidence in himself and Billy losing confidence in Anthony. But that east-to-west passing game, Kentucky was, like, letting it happen because they were just shutting it down. And mm-hmm. it's like, all right, well, we're completing these passes, yeah, for one yard. I do want to give a shout-out another defensive player of the week who didn't get named by the staff that I thought should have, Brent Cox Jr. I thought he had one of his best games as a Gator. Um, he he got some talk from fans about his effort in the first week, and then there was the video of him walking off the field after the game winning pick. I, I think he heard some of those messages loud and clear because he came to play on Saturday. Um, you know, a lot to like about what you saw on the defensive side, a, a lot to not like about what you saw on the offensive side. I think at the end of the day, it does start and end with Anthony, although uh, Billy and, and other players have been quick to point out there's been, you know, other guys, especially going back and watching that tape that they can then point to on that side of the ball where, where they made mistakes and didn't do enough. Um, it wasn't just Anthony's fault, but obviously he gets put under their microscope he gets noticed the most because he plays the quarterback position. But I think more than anything, just the contrast in the week one performance and the week two performance, and it's been hashed out a lot now at this point in the week. Um, I I know I listened to your take on on Stadium and Gale. I wrote about it on Gators Online. But I just think now, especially having a few days to to digest it, um, I think it was a combination of things that produced – that performance from Anthony. And I think that if he was playing USF last week, uh, I don't think that he plays that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how many performances like that he's going to have in him. Uh, he's going to have more bad games, uh, obviously. Uh, and He'll turn the ball over again. But just the lack of confidence and how things seem to snowball throughout that game and his inability to just kind of move on to the next mm-hmm. series, move on to the next play – I think all the hoopla and hype that he got from his week one performance and being the SEC Offensive Player of the Week and being the Davey O'Brien uh, Quarterback of the Week and having Tim Tebow come and do this uh, video with him for SEC Network and he gives you know the Heisman Trophy winner a tour of the new facility. It was just it was a lot. Hey, right? Well, you know what? Play like you did last week, and you don't have to do all that stuff this they, week. They're not going to come and uh, give you any accolades or ask for any interviews on ESPN. Um, and, you know, I think that this was always – at some point, Anthony was going to have to go through some growing pains, yeah. right? Um, you know, it's unfortunate for him that he hasn't had the opportunity to get a non-conference opponent or at the very least a, you know, opponent that's not in the top 20 among his first three starts because that's what all of them have been. And, um, you know, in two of those games, he's been shut out. Hadn't scored at, at all. But that came against Kirby Smart – and Mark Stoops, two of, of, you know, arguably the best coaches, uh, defensive coaches in college football. So that's a that's a really tough situation, I think, for him to kind of, you know, ease into that starting role. Um, he'll have a chance this week to bounce back. But, you know, judging by what the players and the coaches have said this week in terms of his response, he's been back to business as usual. He seems sharp. Uh, according to the players that we've talked to, and Justin Shorter even said he came in uh, on Sunday and was like, hey, let's go put up 70 points this week. Um, and this is potentially a game that, that they could do that. And then last year against uh, USF, he went off in Tampa before um, that injury. Yeah, I, I need to look it up, but I'm going to forget the yards. But he was 3-3 three, three passing for two touchdowns, like 100-something yards, uh, and then had 115 rushing yards. Uh, of course, you know, with uh, the the 80-yard touchdown yep. run, which then uh, hurt his hamstring on. Um, I think it, it's interesting, and, and the take I had earlier in the week was, I think Anthony Richardson comes into this game, and there were li- the, literally half the NFL was there. Yeah. There were 15 teams represented at the Swamp. More than 20 scouts, too. Yeah. So I think he understands what he did in the first week, the talk that's happening around him. They know how many scouts are coming to see him, and he's in a matchup, which Todd McShay called his, you know, matchup of the week, given the two quarterbacks, Will Levis and Anthony Richardson. And I think at some point it got into Anthony's mind, I'm going to show them that I can do what Will Levis does. Yeah, Will Levis can never do what Anthony Richardson (laughs) does. He just wasn't 
born with those God-given gifts. No. He's not 6'4". He's not 240. Um, he's not going to run as fast or as physically as, as Anthony Richardson can. Probably can't dunk a basketball like Anthony. So, so in Anthony's mind, instead of just saying, I'm going to be the best version of Anthony, I think he said, I'm going to beat Will Levis at his own game. Um, and then I think you mentioned, you know, he gets rolled up on and maybe – he doesn't get hurt. I don't think there was an injury that caused it. was the injury Anthony scare. Richardson. That was all it took was it, just the thought of getting hurt. I might get hurt now. Because despite people wanting to see Kyle Engel and, and Jalen Kitna, even only for a series, Nick, what's it can't hurt any. You just put him in for a series. Florida's a four to five win football team without Anthony Richardson. Like, stop calling for anyone other than Anthony Richardson to play quarterback. Although I will say real quick, had Jack Miller been available, I think maybe. Does Anthony get pulled for a series to calm down? Maybe, but at that point, just where, for that where, though, where he was at his headspace, does that, that might have made it worse? Down, or does it make it worse? Yeah. Or do you then just become a deer in the headlights and go, "Oh my God! Not only am I playing bad, but now I'm not even the quarterback anymore." Just got pulled. Um, so I think he was trying to beat Will Levis at his own game, um, throwing the football. But Todd McShay's literally following him around. Literally, the field. literally walking, <laughs> just like. Like, literally following him around. Like, he had, like, Anthony on a leash. I was like, oh, where are we going? We're, like, just like, following him around. Anthony's walking off the field after a misfire or an incompletion, and the first guy he sees, Todd McShay. Yeah. Uh, so, I think there's that. I think then we talk about it in baseball. You need to have a closer's mentality. And if a closer comes into a game and his team's up 2-0 and he gives up a home run, cool. We're still winning. Yeah. Um, and, and you forget about it before you make your next pitch. And I think – Things just kind of snowballed. The first pass that's missed is, oh, that was high. Or, oh, I missed a read. Or I should have yeah. gone this way. And flush it. You yeah. Know, you need to get rid of it. I think he just let that kind of snowball on him. Um, and, and then also the injury. Uh, the injury scare is just like, okay, I'm in a position to make enough money with a good season that my grandchildren yep. will be set up for their life, but I can't get hurt. Yeah. And then second play of the game. First pass. First pass of the game. Oh, man. Almost got hurt. Let's not run. Let's not get hurt. Let's protect ourselves. Especially when he already went into the game with the mindset that I'm going to throw. Yeah. And then that happens on his first throw. Mm -hmm. Well, now I'm, now I'm definitely not going to run. Yeah. So, and, and, and that stuff is just, that comes with maturity. And I'm not saying Anthony Richardson's an immature person because I think he's very mature, especially for his age. Um I think it was just the first time handling all of that external stuff um, and, and then trying to execute and keep that. You have to almost compartmentalize these things. And I just don't think he did a good job of that against Kentucky. And, and it, that's probably the worst game. I hope that's the worst game we ever see from Anthony Richardson in orange and blue. Yeah, because, you know, in LSU last year in Death Valley, like, there isn't 20-plus scouts there. Mm -hmm. There isn't all this hype going into this matchup, all eyes on him. He's literally coming off, please provide us a spark. Yeah. And, you know, no pressure. Just no. do your thing. No, he was he was the, he was the <laughs> Lil Wayne mixtape. He was the lighter <laughs> flick at the beginning of the song <laughs> in, uh, in Baton Rouge. Um, and we've talked all year uh, about, you know, the difference that could be made from 15 and 51. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, you know, now 15 is trying to bounce back, and now we know that 51 is not going to be available for the Gators this week. Probably the biggest news coming out of the game uh, out, outside of Anthony's performance was was now uh, they once again have to figure out how to move forward without their leader on defense, even if it's only for uh, a week or two. Um, that's still potentially your first SEC road game that you're going into a really tough environment Without you know, they get the opportunity to play this Saturday without him. But huge for Scooby Williams now to get the call up. You know, you've already had Shamar James. He started the first two games, Nick. Um, they've had it to where he and Amari and Ventrell have all been on the field. Um, so now Scooby gets called up, and um, you know this is his opportunity to kind of show what he's been doing after uh, redshirting last year. Former top one hundred recruit and probably. One of the best nicknames there is in college football. Scooby! <laughs> yeah. um, and that's, and to parrot what Billy Napier said to your question on Wednesday night was, it's exactly what it is. It's an opportunity for Scooby. And the way Florida practices, everyone um, gets a ton of reps. So Scooby's gotten gotten the reps, just yeah. hasn't gotten the, the playing time on Saturday. 
this is an opportunity. Um, and you're going to find out real quick if you've been preparing in practice as if you were going to start back in the spring, yeah. back in fall, or if you just started preparing to be the starter now that you are going yeah. to start. So you're going to find that out about Scooby, I think, quickly. Um, it's, a, it's a nice opponent to break into yes. as a starter. Um, but, but we'll find out. So Ventro Miller, I mean, if he was born in 1950, he'd be an NFL Hall of Fame linebacker. <laughs> He's just not great in pass coverage. I think Scooby Williams is, is a little bit um, more athletic. We'll see if that translates to being able to cover. Because uh, USF, with the way that Florida got after the passer last week, yeah, and with the with the, the skill set that they have, um, they're going to try to throw the ball quick. They're going to get it out in the flats. They're going to get it in the slants and screens. Yeah, um, we're going to pick on the the redshirt freshman, first time starting middle linebacker, see yeah. if he can cover somebody. Because um, we don't want Brenton Cox to kill our quarterback. So, <laughs> so we're going to get the ball out quick, and we're going to test that young guy. So Scooby's going to get tested right away. Um, and the rest of Florida's secondary needs to know, like, hey, the ball is going to be coming out quick. Yeah, um, we're, we're not going to have to cover long, but we need to to be sound in our coverage as soon as the ball is snapped because they're trying to get it out. And right now, uh, really, really valuable what Amari Bernie is is now going to have to bring mm-hmm. because he is really the guy that is going to be in charge of making sure Scooby's where he's supposed to be, making sure Shamar's where he's supposed to be, and then the defense as a whole because. That's Ventrell's job, and that's what Billy talked about this week is that is the thing that they're going to miss most about Ventrell not being out there Saturday is his voice um, and that leadership and that reassurance of just knowing that he's out there kind of directing traffic and making sure that everybody's lined up the right way. That's just simply Scooby's not going to be there you, yet. you got a substitute teacher in class yeah, this I mean, week. You've got my a gosh. sub in class. Make sure you're listening to the sub, uh, sub Amari Bernie's voice. Um, don't don't run amok because you know uh, Professor Ventrell is not not there in class. So that is the biggest thing, and I think it's what what Billy really talked about and said that they're going to miss most um, is just the quickness with when Ventrell can identify. Yeah. Hey, I've seen that on film. This is what we're, this is what this is the look we're getting, and, and to communicate that, yeah, you might only have four seconds to do that to identify it and relay it. Yeah. Um. So that's going to be on Amari Bernie. Um, because that's that's probably too much to ask for Ventrell and Shamar to do. Shamar playing in his third game. I think Scooby played in four last year while he, he did. was in red shirt. Made his so, debut against USF last yeah. year. It's a circle. It is. It is. Um, well, we're going to circle back on all this after we jump to this break. We talked about the quarterback of the offense. A professional segue. <laughs> quarterback of the defense and uh, – we got another quarterback to talk about in the next segment. Some more injury news that we learned about on Wednesday. Uh, and then we will start to preview this matchup against USF. Some keys to the game and things that Nick and I want to see in the Swamp on Saturday night. Another late one. And uh, and then in the final segment, we'll make some picks. We'll talk about the recruits coming to town. And uh, wrap it up here on a Thursday from Spurrier's Gridiron Grill. We'll be right back after this break game against Vandy. You don't have to call or email. Just go to Spurriers.com, hit the reservation button, pick a date, number of guests, and a time. It's so simple, I can do it. In fact, I just did. Maybe I'll see you tonight. Welcome back into the Gators Online Podcast. Zach and Nick coming to you live from Spurriers Gridiron Grill. We've talked about one quarterback and one Miller, and now we'll talk about a Miller at quarterback. Jack, that is, and we thought we might see him back available this week, Nick, but uh, taking a little bit more time than anticipated. Well, Bill, <laughs> Billy Napier initially said, uh, you know, uh, four to five weeks, which would mean he's back on the practice field this week. Um, that's not the case. Uh, Billy Napier is a football coach, not a doctor, and... Uh, medicine is not an exact science. So, yep. uh, the body takes uh, however long it's going to take to heal. Um, the avulsion fracture um, is, is tech- they call it skier's thumb, it's technically a, a ligament, not really a fracture. It's a ligament that holds the bones together. So uh, it's going to affect how you can grip things. And if you're a quarterback who needs to grip a football to throw it, um, it's probably going to be a little harder for you to come back than, let's say, if you were a middle linebacker yeah. with an avulsion fracture and 
you know, Ventura Miller would just say, put a club on it, <laughs> put, <laughs> cast it up and let's play. So um, Jack Miller, I think, is will be, whenever he's able to return, um, the backup quarterback. Until then, you've got two guys who have never played it down. I'd like to think that that'll happen yeah to a place on saturday we're not disrespecting anyone no it's not one of those types of games (laughs) um as billy napier took offense to but i think i would hope that some at some point in the third quarter or fourth or latest fourth quarter you get to a point where you can get some guys some reps has to happen um and again we mentioned the first segment would they have potentially gave jack a a crack at it I think that would have been more detrimental to Anthony and where his mental state was, and it would have been uh, a help. Would have been nice to have the option, but though. as Billy Napier is not a doctor, neither am I. I'm not a psychologist uh, or a therapist, so I don't know, I don't know how, how that would have affected Anthony. I just think that where he was mentally and um, a, me- a message board user who's a therapist who said not diagnosing him said, Anxiety can be like a tornado where everything, a tornado just picks up everything that's happening and just becomes part of the tornado. And I use the, the metaphor of a thing snowballed on him, a snowball ro- rolling down a hill just picking up snow. Like an avalanche. Like an avalanche, yeah. So I, I think that uh, being benched even if only for a series would have just been another thing that that tornado <laughs> yes. picked up and, and he carried with him. Well, let's hope for no avalanches no, in, the, in the swamp no on Saturday avalanches. night. It's too humid for snow in the swamp. Um. Ventro Miller, not the only key starter the Gators will be out with uh, against the Bulls. Michael Tarquin uh, will also be out. He left the game uh, against the Wildcats, and the Gators turn to Austin Barber. Um, Duval! Sounds good. It's all right. Mark wasn't happy with how I said that in the press conference. I'm like, Mark, I can't say that in a press conference setting. I can do it on the pod live at Spurs Gridiron Grill. Um, I just, you just want those guys from Jacksonville to do well, just so that you can just hear Duval get repped in the stands. Um, you, think, you think he'll get a Duval? Nah, he listen, he, 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 uh, comes around that corner with a nice pancake. Um, yeah, so that's when you get it. And I believe he had the block, uh, the pool on ETN's touchdown run. Well, well, yes. So the, so the guard, uh, Torrance and they had a little guard tackle pull. So. Torrance okay. and Barber both pull. Um, Kingsley did a good job of, of filling that backside. Um, but let's <laughs> that was a nasty cut. Yes, let's, like, let's give credit where it's due. The blocks were there, but you still had to make a guy miss. Um, and I think that there's some ankles still buried somewhere in the turf there at the 10-yard at the line. Well, we'll get into the running back rotation, which was another topic of conversation this week. Which will be a rotation. Which will. Um, but now rotating or starting, should we say, at uh, right tackle is Austin Barber. And, you know, he's a guy, Nick, that we we had been hearing things about all the way back in the spring. Mm-hmm. was like, you know, fans want to know, hey, along the offensive line, who are some young guys that, like, are stepping into that next tier? And he was one of those guys kind of from early on that we kept hearing things about that carried over into uh, training camp. And I believe there was a few days or a time – Nick, where Tarquin was out in camp, mm-hmm. and Barber was getting the first team reps, and I believe he was also getting the first team reps when Garage was out. Yeah, he's playing uh, both left and, and right tackle. So they're clearly counting on him, and they have been for a while, and I thought that he he played really well, and uh, this is a big opportunity for him to get a start against USF. Uh, you know, a little Jacksonville trainee Christian, Trayon Webb, happy to see uh, his former teammate, uh you know, getting a start. And, um, you know, also on the offensive line, I thought it was interesting. Some, I think maybe, you know, potentially shuffling around that's taking place. With Josh Braun going to left tackle. Yeah, He's Josh. listed as the left tackle. So, Braun has played everything. four of the five positions. I, I, haven't pro- seen, I haven't seen him snap. He might have. <laughs> I haven't seen him snap, but he's he's kind of the – Swiss Army knife right now, um, and, and I've told people all along, they're like, why isn't he playing? Why isn't he playing? I'm like, well, he plays guard. Yeah. And you've got Ethan White, who's playing really well, and Osiris Torrance, who in almost 60 games, or in over 60 games now in his college career, has never given up a sack. So, yeah. like, where do, where do you want to put him? And I think if you're looking to get your best 9, 8, 9, 10 offensive linemen, Josh Braun's in that group. So I think you're seeing with the depth chart, and sometimes the depth chart – uh, isn't worth 
what it's the paper is printed on, but I think what you're seeing on the depth chart is, okay, we need to get Josh Braun involved and get him some snaps. We've had a guy go down. Can we get him at tackle? And I think with the, the depth chart released on Wednesday, you see him as Garage's backup at left tackle. Um, and and I, I think you could see him get snaps at tackle and guard um, this week against USF. And I also want to give a shout-out to uh, Jalen Farmer. I think um, Garage had mentioned him at SEC Media Days as one of the freshmen. That's a big dude. Yeah, that he thought that might see the field or make an early impact. And sure enough, um, there he is right now as the uh, backup right guard to Osiris Torrance. What's he listed at? Six, four and a half, 334 pounds. Big boy. True freshman. Big boy. <laughs> um, that's, that's when mom's happy to get you out of the house. And get you on a meal plan at Florida. Yeah. Like, woo boy, I can start cooking some normal dinners. I'm telling you, um, you know. And then another guy, uh, Richie Leonard, man, he had to step in for um, Ethan White, who's good to go um, this week. But he also uh, stepped in on Saturday and did well. So the Gators, they got a lot of rotational players there um, yeah. at, at offensive line. The depth is there. You would expect them once again in this game to lean on that offensive line to establish the run. Um, you know, we'll see if Anthony is a little bit sharper in the passing game. We'll kind of get into some of that, uh, what we expect to see from him in the last segment. We'll take some of y'all's questions that we uh, proposed there on the uh, Gators Online message board. But I, I think that obviously that's their bread and butter, Nick, uh, is is their running backs. That's the strength of their offense. And um, – you know, the first two games, the newcomers at that position, Trevor Etienne and Montreal Johnson, have really kind of stole the show. They've been the most productive, and, um, you know, but they also haven't been started. you got Naquan Wright that's been getting the start. Those carries have been pretty much split evenly between the three of them, give or take. Um, but, you know, they are averaging almost twice as much as Naquan is averaging in the through the first two games. Um and Napier was asked on the uh, teleconference this week if those two guys are vying for more carries or, in other words, are you going to give less to Naquan? And it was asking, yeah. it was asking the, the crux of the question is, will you stop giving the ball to Naquan because yes. he's not as good as the other two? But that's not how it was phrased. It was phrased, it was phrased well by. But that's what fans are beating on the table for. And, mm -hmm. and you know, Billy made it very clear, and I could have been the first to tell you guys as well that, that you know, there is going to be a healthy rotation there. Um, now, that might change in terms of, you know, whoever starts the game, it might turn to, and change in terms of who finishes the game and who's in there when the game is on the line. And I think that you've seen at different points in the first two games that they've counted on all three of those guys. Yeah, uh, you're, you're, you're giving me uh, Dan Mullen flashbacks because that was a big Dan Mullen thing. It's not about – I don't care who starts the game. I care who finishes the game. Well, and I, and I, I do think at least – to lead off the season, Naquan getting that nod, I don't think there's seniority from this staff, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think that they play that game. Well, but uh, I, Lorenzo but, Lingard, uh, older player, hasn't yet to touch the ball. There we go. Um, you know, you see obviously Shamar James coming in and getting starts and a lot of other freshmen that are getting playing time. However, if there was seniority given to any player, and this guy's not even a senior, but it probably would be Naquan Wright because that's how respected he is in that building and by the staff. And you heard Billy say on the teleconference, hey, he's the leader of that room. Mm -hmm. And that's why he's starting as much as anything or at least getting the respect of trotting out there for that first series. And, and maybe that's all it is. Well, it, it, look at the reps, and, and I'm just trying to recall this from something I wrote earlier in the week, but I think Montreal has 19, Anthony's uh, – or. 18, uh, Naquan is 18, so it's 19, 18. And then 14. Anthony has 17, and then, Trevor um, has 14. and then Trevor has 14. So it's not like, man, they're handing the ball off to Naquan 30 times a game, and he's averaging 1.3 per carry, and then Trevor is getting the ball twice a game, and he's got 120 yards in those two runs. It's yeah. like, it's like the, all four guys, as I said, all four guys before the year, I was like, you're going to have a healthy rotation. Anthony Richardson might, as, might lead the team in rushing attempts. Yeah. Um, but I think he actually should lead the team in rushing well, attempts. But get into that. But it's not like Na they're they're forcing Naquan. It's hey, no. everyone is getting an equal opportunity to touch the ball with the freshman barely getting a less of an opportunity than the others. And there are obviously going to be things um, 
just as a as a more veteran player and an upperclassman that he's able to handle in terms of assignments mm -hmm. that uh, Trevor and is just not ready for. Yeah. Montreal probably a little bit further along, but still um, a sophomore. So um, that's something that you guys are going to continue to see. So they're going to rotate and roll those guys through. Billy even said that, hey, we're going to uh, get Lorenzo Lingard involved as well. Um, so that that's, I think, where that, that stands. Um, and I, I think that's going to continue to be their bread and butter and kind of what is the feature of their offense. Now, moving over to the defensive line, uh, I think that that has been, you know, an encouraging thing uh, to see some of those guys emerge there. Uh, you know, we mentioned the rotational players on the offensive line. There's been, you know, uh, about – three specifically that have really stepped up on the defensive line for Florida. I think Des Watson, um, shout out to him. We mentioned him last week. Once again, uh, you know, we saw him play a lot of snaps against Kentucky. He was even in there on some pass rushing downs. And um, he's allowed them to have some flexibility there. Obviously allowed Jervon to play less snaps. And he ended up, Jervon did, grading out as Florida's um, – best uh, graded defensive player in the Kentucky game, according to Pro Football Focus, and right behind him was Desmond Watson. So um, those guys have really played well in the interior. And then at the defensive end position, man, Tyreek Sapp and Justice Boone, shout out to Boone, got his uh, first career sack against Will Levis and absolutely rocked him. And uh, just happened to get my phone up at the right time to catch that uh, play because that was an incredible Sacked by Boone, man. I, I was going to lose my mind. If they I, I was, I, I was going to lose my mind. I was losing my mind in the press box. I was like, if you, I'm like, where can't, like, just put flags. If that was going to be targeting or roughing the passer, <laughs> just put flags on the quarterback and, and, and have defensive linemen pull the flag. Yeah. Because if that play, as textbook of a tackle as that was, if that was targeting or if that was roughing the passer, then just put flags on the quarterback. <laughs> well, and he he mentioned, you know, that, that it, when they waved it off, he felt just as good. Hey, he, he, got, he got the feeling of the sack twice. He got the, <laughs> the initial feeling of the sack, and then he thought, oh, my gosh, they're going to kick me out of this game. They're going to run me up out of here. And, and then he gets the, you know, hey, you're still in the game, and it is a sack. It's nothing else. But I get protecting quarterbacks, but, like, he, he didn't launch. He didn't leave with his helmet. He looked directly into Will Levis's chest and put his face mask into yeah. it, wrapped him up. Doesn't drive him into the ground, but it's like, hey, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Just, like, shove him and hope he falls down. So that was a textbook tackle. And when I saw the yellow flag, I was ready to, go. I was ready to lose my mind. Yeah, and, you know, obviously he's a guy that we had heard some things from in camp, and we saw him getting a lot more reps, and now that's starting to show up. So – uh, I think those guys are going to get a lot more opportunities in this matchup to uh, see the field uh, in these type of games. <laughs> what, Just having what fun. Do you mean? What do you mean, Zach? What do you mean now, these I, I, type of I do want to get in that, uh, you know, a few times this week, uh, the USF game has been mentioned as a, uh, you know, in, along those lines. And uh, Billy has taken offense to that a couple times, you know, most notably on Wednesday night. But, you know, a couple other times that's been mentioned in some other interviews that he's done, even the players have kind of uh, echoed their coach's comments and uh, making sure that they're showing the, the Bulls respect. And, hey, they gave them a, a game for about a half last year in Tampa. Mm -hmm. You know, totally different teams now. But um, I think those are some things that we're obviously looking for going into this matchup. Uh, you know, where Anthony is going to be at, how the Gators play with Alventro Miller, um, what that – running back rotation looks like and how productive it can be in this matchup. And then on the defensive side, um, you know, where the Gators are at in the front seven, uh, you know, without their leader. Now, in the secondary, you know, the Gators gave up some some plays, obviously, last week to Will Levis. Uh, one guy that is listed as questionable. I don't expect to see him out there on Saturday, but um, another potential option for the Gators in the secondary is uh, Jaden Hill, close to his return, Nick. Yeah, and this is kind of like an, an out-of-sight, out-of-mind kind of thing. And Florida hasn't really been exposed at, at cornerback necessarily. I mean, but Kimber was right there on that touchdown yeah, that he gave up. Yeah, got boxed out. That's a, more of a Plus, he's play. playing with one arm or one hand. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like. a lot harder to catch a ball that way. Um, 
But Jaden Hill was going to be the starter next to Kyrie Elam. Like, Jaden Hill was going to start over Jason Marshall last year. Um, so I, I think we almost, cause just because he's been gone for so long, kind of forget the, the kind of player that Jaden Hill can be and the potential that he has. So just seeing him, because, I mean, he was in a non-contact jersey all of spring yep. and then didn't wear a sink, didn't wear shoulder pads once um, in the fall. And I thought, okay, he must have had a setback with his knee, and and he's not going to be able to um, to play at all this year. So just to see him go from out to questionable, um, I think is a great sign for Florida. And and listen, uh, I think Avery Helms played fine. I think Jason Marshall's playing well. I get everyone wants to see more of Devin Moore, more and more. I want to <laughs> see more and more as well. Um, but getting Jaden Hill back, it only helps your secondary. It only helps your team. Um, so like you said. I, would be shocked to see him in uniform um, on Saturday, but just the the upgraded designation from out to questionable, I think, uh, bodes well for Florida as they continue uh, the season. And just shout out to Jaden for continuing to, to keep fighting. Stick man. with it. Yeah, it's um, tough to see any player deal with a, an injury history like that, but uh, be a cool mo- moment to see him get back on the field after all the, the time that he's taken to rehab. So. We're going to jump to this final break. When we come back on the other side, Nick and I will give you our keys to the game. We'll answer some questions from the Gators Online message board, and then we will give our picks for Saturday, not only for this matchup, but some other games around the SEC involving some of the teams in the league. We'll be right back after this break. Football is back. There isn't a better way to enjoy watching your favorite team than by playing daily fantasy sports with our friends at Prize Picks. PrizePix is the simplest form of real money daily fantasy sports and pits you against the numbers. Whether you're a fantasy sports nut or a casual fan looking to add some excitement to the games, PrizePix is the perfect game for you. It's the best way to have action on the game in states like Alabama, Florida, Texas, Georgia, Kentucky, and over 70% of the United States. PrizePix is currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. You simply select two to five players and predict if they will go more or less than their prize picks projection. You can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. Download the prize picks app or visit prizepicks.com and sign in using the code Gators to get an instant 100% bonus up to $100 on your first deposit. So if you deposit $100, prize picks will give you $100 back. If you deposit 50, prize picks will give you 50. That's free money. Don't forget that Prize Picks app or PrizePicks.com and the code Gators to claim your bonus today and take your viewing of your team to the next level this season. Welcome back into the Gators Online podcast, wrapping up here from Spurrier's Gridiron Grill. And now it is time to give you our keys to the game and uh, give our picks for the week as the Gators head into another non-conference matchup, this time against an in-state foe in USF and a familiar opponent for uh billy napier uh and jeff scott the head coach uh, at usf this is their first time meeting obviously as as head coaches but um they go back uh three years together at clemson and then you know his dad uh, brad scott former head coach at south carolina assistant uh, under Bob, uh, bobby bowden at fsu and then at clemson he actually served as a mentor to Billy Napier when uh, they were at Clemson together, I think a, s- a total of seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, so some familiarity and history there. Um, you know, I think in a matchup like this, Nick, I'm always intrigued about when you have two coaches on opposing sidelines that know each other so well and they know mm-hmm. their tendencies, they know, you know, what they like to call in certain situations and can game plan for that. So again, I, USF doesn't have the horses to compete with um, Florida, but schematically, can they potentially do some things that will either frustrate Florida offensively um, just because Scott will be able to anticipate some calls from Billy? That's one thing that I'm uh, looking forward to is that kind of cat and mouse there, although I I don't know how long it's going to last. Right, and I almost – I. I mean, they're both offensive guys. You know, yeah. the quarterback's coach, Jeff Scott, uh, an offensive coach. He was a wide receiver at Clemson. Um, so I don't think it's kind of like, you know, when Ole Miss plays Alabama and it's, and it's Lane Kiffin dialing up sure. ball plays against a defensive coach. Um, but it certainly helps, you know, getting ready and, and 
Jeff is able to go to his defensive coordinator and talk about, hey, this is what Billy's tendencies are. I know him really well. Um, and it's probably a lot of stuff that shows up on film anyway. Um, but to me, it, that's, that's something that's interesting. It's not as interesting as, you know, the Ole Miss-Alabama no. matchup. But um, I, I think it does help just in game planning, um, you know, as much, probably as much as my mood was able to help, yeah. uh, you know, Utah say, hey, listen, these are the guys that they have. This is how we should attack sure. Florida. Uh, and you probably saw a bunch of Brant Keithy based on what my mood uh, was able to tell um, Utah as they got prepared for that game. Um, but I, it, as we get into our keys of the game, w- mine is just simple. and It's Sandra Bullock from the blind side. It's run the dang ball. Yeah. Um, USF is the <laughs> 127th ranked running defense in the country. Through two games, they've given up almost 500 yards on the ground. Gosh. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't try to put lipstick on a pig. Don't, don't try to do something else. They can't stop the run. You are a team that should be running 60% of the time. With four different guys, five different guys. Give Des Watson a, a, a handoff. <laughs> I don't know if USF can stop it. Run the football, get the hay in the barn, and, and move on to Tennessee. And if you're able to do that and establish that, that makes life easy for Anthony Richardson. And uh, you know he's obviously going to have his number called, and there'll be moments in the game where he has to deliver in the passing game and make some plays. But if Florida can lean on their three-headed monster, and potentially even uh, you know get Lingard some touches, that's going to allow them to have uh, you know a comfortable lead, which is not something that right. they've been able to enjoy yet this yeah. season. I, and I, there could be a potential to say, even though it's not one of these types of games, uh, there could be a potential to say, listen, this could be a game where Anthony can get his confidence back throwing the ball because um, there we should be able to match up our receivers. Um, uh, against their secondary, but I say resist that temptation. Let him get his confidence back by running the football. And that's one of our questions that we got from Rocket Man Hal on the Gators Online message board. He asked us, what do we expect from AR on Saturday, and how do we feel about Napier's in-game adjustments mm-hmm. and some things that we'll see not only against USF, but maybe what he did um, to try and combat his struggles against mm-hmm. Kentucky. Um, I, I didn't love the play calling last week. I thought it was uninspired, and that's where I got the question of uh, clearly Anthony Richardson lost confidence in his in himself um, last week against Kentucky, uh, and then I questioned just based on the play calling, did Napier lose confidence in Anthony because he could see that Anthony had lost confidence in himself, and does that change the play calling? Because yeah. that east-west passing game, Kentucky – this isn't your grandfather's Kentucky. They've got linebackers that can run east and west and, and get sideline to sideline, and, and that wasn't getting you anywhere. Um, and I thought, you know, motioning Dante Zanders or motioning uh, Xavier, Xavier, motioning guys out wide. I'm like, you're now you're playing, you know, ten on eleven. Like we, and, and you would have been better off playing ten on eleven because Naquan certainly didn't know what the play call was on, on the pick six. No, he did not. Um, so I'm wondering, like, why are you doing that? I, I'm fine going empty and, and letting people know you're passing, but you're, I don't think Naquan's a a threat, you know, out of the X. Yeah. Uh, um, or or Dante Zanders. I don't think he's a threat out of the X. So you're just telling somebody, the defense, to be like, hey, don't worry about this guy. Yeah. We're going to play you a, a man down. So I, I didn't love the play calling, but I wonder how much of that was uh, – Billy losing confidence in his quarterback who had lost confidence in himself. And then to your point about in this matchup, running the ball and leaning on that, I, I just was surprised that Florida didn't go more to that last week, especially with AR struggling. Um, and I understand hearing from Billy and, and Anthony that, you know, Kentucky just sold out and said we're going to take away the run, and that dictated a lot of what Florida called offensively. But you got to find – some ways to generate, I think, more from your ground game or just or just ride that more because 35 pass attempts from Anthony Richardson in five rushes. I understand he had six carries in the game. One of those was a sack. He only had five rushes. So 35 pass attempts and five rushing attempts. 
is not a ratio for success um, when Anthony Richardson is your quarterback. So, you know, schematically, um, adjustment wise, you know, you know, I'm I'm obviously not here to suggest X's and O's to Billy Napier, but I'd be interested to see them, you know, be able to do that more. Uh, and I, I don't think that that's going to be, you know, present an issue so much in this game and in this matchup. But certainly, once they get more into SEC play, um, I think that that's that that's something I would like to see them do because you not only got to ride your the run game more, but you got to ride Richardson in that um, and let him do what his strengths are. And some of that, again, how much how much of that stem from the injury scare? How much of that stem from Kentucky's defensive game plan? Um, you know, we'll find out, I guess, moving forward. But that's something I, I think Anthony is is going to have a much better game, a much cleaner game. I don't think he's going to have that look that he had coming to the sidelines where he just seemed to be completely mentally checked out uh, once it got to a certain point in that game. I think he'll be much more engaged. Obviously, the result and the way that the game goes, I think, will probably help with that. But this will be... Um, a much needed type of game for him and type of matchup for him that as we as, as I mentioned earlier he's yet to have uh, in his in his you know starting experience to to get a game like this so um, obviously going over on the defensive side you know we're looking for Florida uh, to have another dominant performance I think that they showed some really good things against Kentucky but now they go into this matchup without Ventro Miller for the whole week and for the whole game. And I think one of the questions that we got uh, on the Gators online message board is, you know, one, what do we think Scooby's going to do in his new role? And two, who's going to be the quote-unquote leader of the defense now that Ventrell is out? Because it's probably not going to be Scooby in that role. Um, I, I, I would hope Amari Bernie would then step into that. Um, I think Trey Dean's a guy that's very vocal. Um, but I, I would hope that it would be Amari Bernie that steps into that, and we'll see. We'll, we'll see, Scooby. You're getting, you know, you, you've played a little bit, but you're getting thrown into the deep end with, yeah. with, with your little arm floaties on, saying, "Hey, get, <laughs> get back, get back, get back to the side, get back to the side, uh, um, and don't drown." Yeah, I I think that he's gonna play well. I think that Javon Dexter is another guy that that really, uh, just from a vocal standpoint and just a presence in the huddle. He's going to have to be a guy that I think provides some of that leadership without Ventrell out there. And um, But, again, going back to this this matchup, I think this is a, a perfect one for in the swamp. You know, you got some guys playing next to you that have a lot of experience. I think Amari's going to be a big help for Scooby, kind of being able to lean on him in this game. But when he got in the second half against um, Kentucky, I know he didn't show up on the stat sheet as much as Shamar did. But I was impressed with what I saw from Scooby and just some of the physicality that that he plays with. He knows how to come downhill. Um, and I also think that he's a guy that could potentially be used, although I don't know if we'll see it in this matchup because I don't know if it'll be needed. But I think that he's somebody that um, could be incorporated into some of the creeper blitzes that uh, Patrick Tony likes to run in his scheme just because of his athleticism. Uh, that he provides at that position. So um, really intrigued about what he can do. Um, I, I think also just that defensive line continuing to not only produce, but have the snap counts go up for some of their rotational players, I think is going to be very key for this game, especially if Florida, as Nick mentioned, can get a lead in the second half and allow some of those guys uh, to get some more playing time. So with that being said, uh, we're going to get into some of our picks, and then I will uh, wrap up the show mentioning some of the recruits that will be in the Swamp on Saturday night. But, Nick, 0 for 2. Yeah. <clears throat> what are we going uh, this week with the Gators and the Bulls? Upset uh, City? No. Uh, it, it's it's horns down. I mean, that's what the fans want, Nick. They, they do. Uh, I will not be picking USF. Um, have to maintain some level of integrity in these picks. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it's horns down this week. Uh, this this is uh, Florida after coming down with an illness last week. Went to the doctor. Um, <laughs> this week they're going to CVS. This is the prescription. Uh, this is the medicine that you need after 
being upset at home is a, a team like this. <laughs> um, so for me, it, it's easy. You should be able to run the ball all day long. Florida, um, USF, I'm not going to predict a shutout. I think USF will find a way to score. At yeah, their quarterback's talented. Of, of, we'll find a way to score. Um, but Florida should have no problem winning this football game. Florida should have no problem covering the spread, which I think is over three touchdowns. Um, should have no co- problem covering that. Uh, my pick's Florida this week. And if I lose this week 0-3, I'm done picking games the rest of the <laughs> Done picking games. Yeah, obviously I'm going with the Gators, but I think that you know seeing Anthony have a clean game, no turnovers, um, rebuild his confidence, run the offense, um, allow uh, and Billy allow the the ground game to kind of lead the way, um, and and lean on that maybe a little bit more in this matchup than they were able to against Kentucky. Uh, I think that they'll be able to do that. I think that the defense um, there'll be some hiccups out there with without Ventrell, second straight year that they'll be playing. Um, you know, without Ventrell against USF. But I think that getting Shamar that early experience uh, is huge heading into this game. Uh, he's just a talented player. And I think Amari kind of steps into that leadership role now at linebacker. And the Gators uh, certainly will do enough in the swamp to uh, bounce back. Nick and I are going to start picking five games every week. And, so, and- so just so you know what, what to pick against. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and, and make you guys some money. Well, we got SEC play opening up now for all the teams across the league. So, um, you know, this will be fun to kind of monitor uh, and and see how our record plays out throughout the year after an 0-2 start. Uh, Georgia and South Carolina, the Bulldogs on the road. Yeah, they uh, – I, I had a, in, I, I liked South Carolina going into the year, but mm. – yeah, Not looking great anymore. No. Um, yeah, this is going to be Georgia, the new number one flip-flopped with Alabama – um, uh, Kirby Smart was kind of getting asked the same questions as Billy Napier this week. Uh, one of these type of games, and he was like, what do you mean? It's, a, it's our first SEC road game. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the the uh, honeymoon seems to be short lived uh, up up in Columbia, South Carolina, with Spencer Rattler uh, and Shane Beamer, and and all the high hopes that uh, they came into the year with. Yeah, I was I was buying it too, Nick. I was buying it, but I'm not feeling good about uh that South Carolina pick against Florida and um, definitely not picking them this week. So I'll go Bulldogs, Penn state at Auburn, Uh, really intriguing matchup. And there's a James Franklin coming back to the sec. Yeah. James Franklin back in the sec. Um, There's some rumors out there that Auburn might be wearing orange jerseys this week against Penn state. Um, That's going to backfire. Those, the, the, they were very similar color blues. Um, so the, the fans have been talking about it and adding flame to the fire. Brian Harson uh, has a weekly podcast and he's bringing on the equipment manager, uh, for his podcast, which I think is tonight. I think he's letting that, that Boise background go a little bit too hard. Well, you know, they just got rid of their AD. He might have, uh, his games there might be limited. So might as well get, get an orange Jersey in there and make the fans happy. Are you I'm pick- going to take. Penn St- ah, I'm going to take Auburn at home. Oh, take Auburn at home. The orange jerseys got him. They oh, made him they a believer. <laughs> the, the orange jerseys are good for at least three touchdowns. I'm going Nittany Lions for sure. I, uh, I think they come in and uh, get one in the SEC. I'm really looking forward to this matchup. I love anytime I can see uh, this guy coach and his quarterback play. Uh, that's Mississippi State coming to Death Valley. Take on the Tigers. Um, what you think, Nicholas? I think LSU is actually favoring this game. I'm I don't go, know how. I'm going to go with the dog. I'm going to go Mike Leach. I think LSU is bad. I think that, I understand they won playing Southern, and, and that was a great game for the state of Louisiana. Um, they also lost to Florida State. Uh, and Florida State's bad. Um, I'm taking Mike Leach to go into Death Valley and survive. Ditto. I love it. I love it. Uh, that's going to be a good matchup. I think his quarterback goes off in that game. Uh, we picked USF Florida in our final matchup. A lot of, uh, I think, Florida fans will be tuned into this one just to uh, potentially see some uh, some crying fans. But that depends on if the SEC can take care of business as the Miami Hurricanes go on the road to College Station. A&M trying to bounce pack. From the App State upset, what do you think, Nick? 
I think they do bounce back. I think Jimbo Fisher knows uh, this Miami program, uh, maybe not this coaching staff, uh, but this Miami program. And uh, it's a long trip for Miami to make. And uh, I'm going to go with Jimbo and the Aggies. Um, looking forward to our trip out there. We might, have to go, we might have to go see Midnight Yell after uh, they, uh, the Midnight Yell practice uh, came under some heat. Yeah. Appalachian State. That's what they do every single week. And I guess it just doesn't go out and film. What are they going to say about the Gators? I don't know. Talking about the Jorts? Yeah. Well, they, uh, I mean, they're wearing overalls out there. Yeah, they don't so. have much room to talk. <laughs> That's. Pot calling the kettle black. I'm I'm so tempted to pick Miami, but do it, Zach. I can't. Okay. <laughs> it's just I, I don't I don't think that they're going to go into College Station against a pissed off Texas A&M mm-hmm. team, and um, I, I think that they'll find a way to uh, to get the non conference win. That's our picks for the week. Uh, some differences there, so we'll figure out uh, which one of us prevail, mm-hmm. and. Um, and obviously a big weekend in the swamp once again, uh, and the Gators are going to have some recruits in town. Make sure that you guys stay locked to Gators Online for all of Corey Bender's coverage, along with Donovan Kaiser. He'll be on site and uh, seeing what those guys have to say about this matchup. Some uh, names to watch for that will be making their way to the swamp, most notably UCF commit uh, four-star defensive tackle John Walker, top 100 player, making his – Third straight visit to Gainesville to start the season. So um, certainly doesn't seem solid with the Knights at this point. Hasn't been to a UCF game yet. No, he has not. Um, A chance that the Gators will have a top 100 defensive tackle, uh, Jordan Hall, in the swamp. And on three has him ranked as a top 30 player nationally. And then, uh, you know, several top 100 uh, recruits for the 2024 class expected to be in attendance. Uh, some names of note, Charles Lester, a top 100 cornerback, and Jared Gibson, former Florida commit, Gainesville native, and the number one running back in the country for the class of 2024. So uh, maybe a big night, a big running back by committee to uh, show him that he can come in and uh, get some touches as a freshman. So we'll see how it all plays out in the swamp. On Saturday night, make sure you guys stay locked to all of our coverage at Gators Online. Make sure you uh, follow along on the Facebook pages and YouTube channels. We'll have a bunch of content coming from the game. And then we'll be back next week to preview Florida's first SEC road game in Knoxville. Nick, we're going to Rocky Top. We're going to Rocky Top. I'm I'm excited to be there. Um, it's It's a fun place. It's a fun stadium to watch a game. Um, even though the press box is closed. But I'm looking forward to it. Well, our trip is booked, so we are on the way. Um, Looking forward to it, and uh, we'll be back next week to recap this matchup and get you ready for that one. For Nick Del Torre, I'm Zach Albaverde. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700.
1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.